Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, you're in the right place. This is Business of Design, episode 82. And this is Kimberly Selden, your host. And it's my turn today. It's my turn. I need your help. I have discovered something new that I need to put more effort into in my business. It has to do with staying in touch with clients once the project is finished. We have nailed down all of our systems and procedures in terms of how the project begins, how it ramps up, how it enters the construction zone, if that's applicable, and then how it finishes up, how we do the styling, how we do the reveal, how we create uh, comfort and ease for clients around efficiencies. We have all of that buttoned down. But the area that came up for me this last week um, that needs improvement has to do with staying in touch. And it happened in two ways. Number one, I bumped into a client we hadn't done a project for in years. She's so lovely, and we've done at least three projects for her, and I ran into her, and her remark was innocuous, but I believe she was sending me a message. She said, oh my gosh, it's been forever, I haven't talked to you, and then as she was leaving, she says, I'm going to have to come up with a project so I get to hear from you sometimes. And maybe that was innocent or maybe it wasn't. I have a feeling it wasn't because a similar thing happened about four days later. And it was an email from a client and she just said she was really sorry I hadn't checked in with her in the past couple of months. Her project finished about four months ago. I checked in with her a few weeks later. I checked in once after that. And in fact, I actually even did send her an email during the period of time that she said she hadn't heard from me. And for whatever reason, she didn't get it. But the bottom line is, I believe clients work with us so closely and then all of a sudden the project is done and we're gone, poof, out of their life. And in some cases you've become close and developed some intimacies because you've spent so much time together. So how do you keep in touch without being too clinging? Um, There are some projects where I really would love to just hang out with a client because they have just been so much fun and I could see that we would be fast friends. I have this one client, for example, who loves to go to Las Vegas. I would totally go to Vegas with her and hang out. But it feels a little odd for me to invite myself on a trip like that after having only worked for her on one project. So how do you stay in touch after a project is completed, assuming that you loved the client and the client loved the experience of working with you, or or I guess maybe I shouldn't even put those parameters around it. How do you stay in touch? How do you follow up to say, how is everything working for you? Um, it seems evident to me, and I, this is where I want your input, everybody, 
it seems evident to me that a week after the reveal and you're clearing the dust of all the invoicing that has to happen, there's a whole lot of paperwork that needs to go on. So it seems evident to me that you're still on the job at that point. But there comes a time when the retainer needs to be returned and the project is officially over and we send a gift and we say thank you. Sometimes after that, we photograph. And so there's another opportunity to say hello and to send a gift and to say thank you. Uh, But then let's assume all of that is done and a month goes by. Do you reach out to say, hey, I miss you. How are you? How's it going? Um, What do you do after two months? What do you do after three months? We've gotten in the habit of following up with clients one year after the project wraps to say, happy birthday. It's one year since your project was completed. And as a reminder, here's what the before looked like. And here's what the after looks like, of course, with our professional photographs. We miss you. We hope you're doing great. Let us know if you have any other projects going on. But do I need to add something between one and two months and one year? seems to me I might. And then what do you do when a project's been over for a year and a half or two years? How often is too often for us to reach out and say, I'm thinking of you? I know you're like me. When a project wraps, it's bittersweet if it's been a great experience because you're going to be leaving this home that you've become very familiar with and you're working with clients that you adore, but you're also ready to tackle new horizons and you've got other projects on the go. So I quickly turn my attention from step 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 of one project to one, two, three, four of the next. And sometimes that's happening simultaneously and there are multiple projects going on. So is it realistic even for us to keep in touch with a variety of clients? Should we set up automation? Should I have every month on my calendar check in with Joanna? And if I do that, what am I going to say to her? Hey, I was thinking of you. Hi. (laughs) Or do, do I make something up? Is that disingenuous? Um, I have more questions than answers today, so I'm curious to hear from you guys how you follow up with those great clients, and have you ever gone backwards over the last three, four, five years and followed up with a client that you lost touch with, reconnected, and asked for more work? I'm curious um, about that, and I think I'm going to, as an exercise do that myself. Just reach out and say hello, let them know we're busy as ever, but we loved working with them and we're still here and see what happens. And I promise to report back. As a way of staying on topic, keep in touch. I decided it might be time to interview one of our past clients. Let's see what she has to say about how we stay in touch with clients And I think other than that, we're just going to let the conversation run. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. 
Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers, just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Let's check in with Cheryl Horn, who's always, always busy. Do you ever get a day off between Business of Design and the kids? And is there ever downtime, Cheryl? No, but you know what? I'm I'm busy this week getting set to uh, leave for Palm Springs. It's been a while since we've gotten to travel together. I guess High Point back in April, we last got to travel. So I'm excited for that. And so our Palm Springs attendees, I've been talking to all year. So it's going to be really nice to meet them in person. Oh my gosh. And we're putting the final touches on all of the learnings. Uh, and I've got a first aid kit that includes some blister band-aids, some <laughs> sunscreen, some gum, you know, all the things you might need. The essentials. Yeah, all the essentials. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's going to be more fun than work. I, I suppose at this point, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. And then straight from there, um, right after the retreat ends, um, on October 24th, we have our next group coaching session. So um, this one, I actually, I get a lot of questions from our Facebook group, people who are just finding business of design and asking about these group coaching calls that we do um, each month for our premium members. So maybe you can tell everybody a little bit about um, our, our group coaching that we do each month. Well, one of the advantages of becoming a monthly or an annual member is that you have access to, to us as your mentor, to me as your mentor. So there's a couple of ways that that can happen. As you take courses in the online community, uh, you can ask questions there via the forum. Uh, but in addition, once a month, we do a live coaching call. And it's kind of interesting to see where those calls go. We think we're going to talk about marketing. We think we're going to talk about networking. And sure enough, a member says, this terrible thing happened to me at work and I need help. And we veer off course. And inevitably, uh, that's the thing that everybody says was extremely helpful because, of course, there's nothing new under the sun. Whatever problem you're having with a client, other people have had it or are having it and we can fix it. We can help you fix it. Uh, there's no problem too big uh, to be shared during the monthly coaching calls. So uh, definitely take advantage of that if you're a premium member. Yes. And if you are uh, new to our membership, we do still ask you to uh, register for these group coaching calls. Um, that just gives us uh, a list of attendees. And if you're not able to attend registering, we do email you a copy of the recording um, following. So a lot of people will email me their questions in advance and I'll ask I'll ask Kimberly for you. Um, and then you get a recording. So you still get a copy of her answer afterwards. So um, registration's open. Again, our next call is on October 24th. And then I think you're actually been doing that call from Texas because <laughs> you've got meetups with a lot of our members in Texas on the 25th and 26th. I am doing that call from Texas. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll figure that out. Yeah, I will be doing that call from somewhere, somewhere between LA and Texas or Palm Springs and uh, Austin. I will be doing that call. I'm looking forward to it for sure. And then we've got something new happening in November with a member, Carly Waters. What is, what's that about? I go on vacation and all of a sudden there's something new and exciting happening. Yes. Yeah. I teamed up with, uh, with Carly Waters. She's sort of your neighbor in California. Um, 
And she's offered to host a designer event for us. We sort of brainstormed a little. Um, so it's going to be a small, intimate group. There are only a couple. I only opened this a couple days ago, but there are only a couple spots left. And um, we're going to do a roundtable discussion. So as part of uh, requesting to be part of this event, you do need to be a premium member. Um, but I'm asking you to submit some topic ideas as well. So what we're going to do is, um, you know, dedicated topics and having a group discussion um, about some of the you know, key issues people are having in their businesses, um, certain ways to grow their businesses. Uh, we got to narrow down the topics because there's a, there's a lot being requested, but again, there's only a couple spots left. Okay. And these, this is for monthly or annual premium members only. And, uh, I can't wait to do that as well. So lots of great things happening at business of design. Thank you so much, Cheryl. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Bye. And now back to the show. Jane Goldberg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. This is this is weird. This is really weird. I've never interviewed a client before or a former <laughs> client or an existing client. I, I'm not sure how to refer to you at this moment in time, but thank you for doing this. I feel very honored that I am the first. <laughs> and I feel very nervous. It's like I'm going to get my <laughs> report card in front of everybody. Um, but I reached out to you because we've done two projects together. And one, we did the full um, design uh, decorating installation kind of process. And then the second one was just a flat fee drawing package we did for your farm. So you're in a good position to talk about the topic today, which is how designers stay in touch with their customers. Do we do a good job? What could we do better from the client's perspective? So there's two parts I guess we want to talk about. One is during the process, during the project, and then the other one, which prompted this whole conversation, has to do with how much interaction with your designer do you want once the project wraps up? What feels right? So should we just start at the beginning and talk about why a client wants to hear from their designer anyway during a renovation or decorating project? So I would say in terms of during the project, I would say that you start to really form a relationship and there's uh, you know a true rapport, or at least there certainly was when you and I worked together, uh, because I felt that there was a very caring approach. I felt that you really cared beyond the boundaries of just doing a good job. I felt that you looked at it through my eyes. So with that in mind, I think that it's very comforting because I would imagine that most designers, I know from a client's perspective, most designers would probably maybe strive to achieve that type of relationship. And so I think from a client, from my perspective, I always was comforted um, by you calling me Um, and touching base with me. Because sometimes, I think from my perspective as a client, I don't know design. I don't even know sometimes where a decision stops and starts. And so I'm kind of in la-la land and I go, oh my gosh, I kind of want to call Kimberly today and ask her, but, you know, should I? Because, you know, maybe she's already answered that question for me and maybe I'm like bugging her because I'm asking too many questions. Um, And so when you would call me and check in, that would give me tremendous comfort because I was able to sort of talk to you about what was on my mind. I was able to talk to you about kind of just some of the um, questions that I had lingering that I didn't want to bombard you with, with 500 phone calls every day. So I guess I think 
that it's extremely comforting to get that check-in call um, during the process, not even just, just sort of out of the blue, just kind of that check-in call. That, that I find that is very comforting. Do you um, think a call is more impactful than an email, for example? Because we're in the habit of every week just sending an update email. Here's what's happened this week. Here's what's happening next week. Is that just as good as a phone call or do you like the voice time? No, actually, I email. I agree with you, actually. Cut, you know, when I think about it from that perspective, because rarely when you call somebody, do you ever connect with them? Right. You know, in my mind, most of the time I reach out to somebody, I just get their voicemail. Right. And I think an email is, yeah, no, definitely an email. Definitely. An email. Okay. This is such a non sequitur, but I'm going to tell you this. Somebody posted on Facebook the other day a meme, and they said Kimberly Seldon would do this. And the meme said, next time somebody phones you from a number you don't recognize, answer the phone and say, it's done, but there's blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> funny but to your point right people don't really want to talk on the phone anymore so our policy is the only time I insist on a phone call is if it's bad news I don't want to deliver you know devastating bad news in an email and by devastating bad news of course we're not talking about somebody's health we're talking about a delay in the project something went wrong right 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 oh my gosh that's funny and it's so true so many times um, when we say oh I talked to Kimberly what you really mean is that you sent her an email and you had an email exchange. Mm, right. It's true. I mean, yeah. you know, that's sort of the lingo now. Yeah, but uh, nothing replaces that time face-to-face for sure, but also even a phone call once in a while, don't you think, just to, just to say, hey, I, I don't know that I'm particularly good at out of the blue, just saying, hey, I was thinking about you. I was driving around and I saw those beautiful white hydrangeas are out and so I was thinking of you. I don't know if I'm very good at that. Would that... Did that does that mean something to you? I think that getting a phone call out of the blue is a lovely thing. I do. But I think bottom line is is that sometimes that's just not possible and sometimes it just doesn't work. People don't inver- don't people don't instinctively pick up the phone anymore. It's true. They yeah. just don't. They yeah. shoot a one-line email to say, "Oh my gosh, I saw these beautiful flowers." thought of you, I think they look beautiful in the foyer. Right, right. I think that is more likely to get to the person than a phone call. I think it also depends on the age of the person. Right. Because I think that yes. um, in my demographic, a phone call probably maybe, um, you know, might make more sense. Yes, I still know how to use a phone. But it's so funny, some of the younger designers in my office, they just they just never want to use the phone. And I think, you know, some messages are just better voice-to-voice or face-to-face. A hundred percent. And you will talk to somebody who is in their 20s and 30s and they will say, um, you know, I talked to Julie yesterday. I had a great chat with Julie yesterday. And you go, oh, wow. You know, you'll reference some kind of phone call aspect of it. And then, oh, I didn't talk to her. I didn't didn't phone her. (laughs) You know, I messaged with her. I emailed with her. That's so 2016. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So I feel like... I, we do a better job during the thick of the project of staying in touch with our customers. Like, uh, you know, every week we do have a policy of sending a check-in email just so everybody knows where things are at and there's no surprises and no questions because I really don't want the client being afraid to call me, you know, and I want them to not have to 
to not to have to call me. Um, and it's so funny you said you might be bugging me with a phone call because I often think that about clients. They don't want to hear from me again. Oh my gosh. So an email is such oh, a nice way to do I, it. I really feel they do. Oh, I they do. Feel, okay. I feel that unless you definitely pick up a strong sense from the client, just speaking from a client's perspective, that I am getting kind of irritated by these calls or emails, I think, oh my gosh, every time you touch base with me, it's a beautiful thing. Because it is a scary process as a client. Right. I'm spending a lot of money. I'm putting a lot of the decision process into somebody else's hands. I'm going to be living with these decisions around me every morning when I wake up and I go downstairs to my kitchen and I look at it for the next 20 years or whatever. And so it is a scary process. And every time you reassure me that you are on the same page and you are seeing this project through my eyes as well by that rapport, that's a beautiful thing. I'm just talking you know, from a client's perspective, I think. That's so good. Um, I love hearing that. It's so good. Of course, you're going to be living with it for a long, long time, um, which is terrible for us, by the way. If you would redecorate every five years or so, it would be terrific. (laughs) Please, thank you. (laughs) Now, you've also had the experience of working with another design firm, or at least one, but maybe even two, not throwing Mm -hmm. anyone under the bus, but were there some communication problems there? And if there were, what, what were they? Well, I worked with a couple of other design, a few other designers actually, and um, I think there was one designer um, I worked with who was good. They gave me solid decisions on on different aspects. I liked the results, but I definitely it was all business. It was one hundred percent business. There's no way that um, he would have reached out to me to touch base. Um, there was no rapport per se. And so the experience was not as pleasant. And I, when I had my next design um, project, um, I didn't reach out to him, even though I was happy with what he did, with, with what he delivered. The process itself was not so beautiful. So it's sort of like getting your hair cut. You know, you walk out and you had a great haircut, but that hour that you spent with that hairdresser, it was not really that pleasant. So it's ultimately, so, it's about the experience, right? Because you as a customer, you know, a whole bunch of designers are going to do a really good job designing your project. You're not worried about that. But you, what you're saying is the experience of working with that person matters to me a lot. I Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, they have to deliver really sound results. I mean, that's obviously, from my perspective, really important. But I think the experience has to be, um, you know, really something that feels really good to me and feels really warm and really personal. Because again, from my perspective as a client, it's a very personal experience. You are decorating my bedroom, you are decorating my kitchen. And again, you are going to be parachuting out, and I'm going to be living with the results. And so I want you so much to understand who I am, and how I make my coffee in the morning, and, and, and not just from a detail fact perspective, but from a personal perspective, I want you to understand who I am. And so I think that can only be achieved by having a relationship and having that check-in time. And for me to feel that sometimes you're checking in just to check in. 
and not to check in just because you're supposed to or check in because you need to tell me some detail of some delivery, but just to check in to see how I'm doing. How am I feeling about this process? Wow. Okay. So you know what? This is extremely helpful to me. I don't feel like I do that. I don't just check in and say, how are you doing around all of this? And not... What you're telling me is that's really important. And so I need to step that up in terms of my human to human contact. That's amazing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that it adds another um, element to the frame. So I think that um, it's a piece of it. And it's a piece that I, it's a lingering piece. So two years down the road, when I'm thinking of that experience and I'm thinking, okay, now I have to redo my bathroom. I am definitely going to reach out to the designer that gave me solid results, obviously, but the one that also gave me that really warm and cozy feeling during the process. Wow. Okay. So I want to go to the other designers that you work with because I have a feeling there's a different story for those two. But before I do, just one thing occurs to me. Do you ever worry if you're doing a flat fee project, which we did for your second project, uh, this doesn't apply, but do you ever worry in an hourly fee contract that the designer is touching base too much and therefore it's going to be costing money? Do you ever equate the check-ins with a dollar sign? Um. I don't because I'm kind of going with the assumption that those check-ins, those five-minute phone calls, those 10-minute phone calls are not going to be billed. They're check-ins only. And so um, as you, I, I'm not sure if you know, but I'm a consultant and I do IT consulting. And when I start off my projects with my clients, I talk to them about the billing process and I say to them, and by the way, you know what, during the process, I want to check in and see how you're doing and how you're feeling. I don't even track it. So when you get that phone call from me, it's just me checking in to see how you're doing. I might not have any details of the project. I might not have any, um, you know, hardcore facts to pass on to you, but I'm just checking in and we're going to, I just want to know how you're doing. And that's just me doing it offline. Um, So when you get those calls, don't even think about it in terms of dollars. That is such a great idea because we we often are talking to other interior design professionals who don't charge for a variety of services they provide and value they bring to the table. And so very often the story is a designer isn't charging enough. But there's a really good example of, hey, I just want to know how you're feeling a five-minute phone call where I would not charge for that time because I, right. and I, I would want that connection with the client. That's a really good thing for us to point out. Okay, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that I want the client, um, or in your situation, you want me to feel that I can just chat with you for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's not getting billed, and it's just between us, and it's just part of the other element of this overall project. That's it. Okay, what about the other designers you work with? You told us about the, the guy that you work with. Who, what, what about the other two experiences? So the other two projects, um, well, one of them was a project that um, is still difficult uh, for me in terms of looking back on it. Um, I look back on it and think about what I could have done differently, but I really don't feel that there is anything I could have done differently. This was a, um, a designer who, who delivered fabulous results for me. Fabulous. I loved what she did. Um, she also um, developed a rapport with me. Um, and um, I really appreciated that rapport for all the reasons that I mentioned, you know, that we've discussed. Uh, and during the... Um, 
process, I got a couple of phone calls, one from an acquaintance, one from somebody I didn't know, and one from a friend, a good friend. And they all suggested that this designer was not completely on the up and up and that they didn't bill appropriately. And um, there were some other dishonest um, uh, situations that they had encountered and they knew I was using this person. So they wanted me to be heads up. And I defended this person to the hilt. I said, absolutely, this person would not ever stray you. You must be wrong, et cetera, et cetera. What was difficult about it was that I had a relationship with this person, right. an appropriate relationship, meaning that we didn't get together for dinner. Right, right. She did, she did do all the things that I mentioned. She did, um, you know, check in on me and she was there developing a relationship. I did feel comforted by her. Um, and in the end, it did go wrong. And in the end, there was a, a terrible, dishonest act on her part. And um, we were in a position to sue her. Uh, we had a lot of support on that, but we decided not to. And I just found it too upsetting. So I guess my takeaway from that is that the rapport that I had with her, despite the fact that it ended up so um, so poorly, the rapport I had with her really meant a lot to me during the process. It really did comforted me. And it actually um, made me feel extremely loyal to her. Now, in the end, this person was, was, not, was not an honest person. So it's unfortunate that I, um, she did all the right things in that context. Yeah, it's confusing, but, right, when somebody is, is, you know, everybody has both sides of the coin in them, right? We all do good things and bad things. And it's really unfortunate when you came in contact with her, her beautiful parts and you came in contact with those parts that are less beautiful. But did that scare you from ever working with another designer? Absolutely not. No, I just knew that next time that I had any heads up that, or any kind of inkling that things were not quite, um, on the on the board, you know, honest. I, I think I would have. Um, I think I would just be a little bit more sensible about it. What but, what would have been a clue that things weren't honest? So she, she did not. She didn't pay her suppliers, or what would have given you a clue? Some of the things that she did to my uh, to the other three people that would have been mm-hmm. a clue because I would have then, for example, she did not pay a supplier. Right. For one of the other individuals. And um, the person was not able to connect with that supplier to find out really what happened. And then they ended up connecting with the supplier. Anyway, it was sort of a a bit of a mess. The takeaway from my experience with that designer is that as much as I appreciated the rapport, it doesn't blur the lines. It's not meant to be a a launch pad into a friendship. Right. And so I think my takeaway from that experience, not that I actually thought of her as a friend, to be honest, but I, but, but I defended her like a friend. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so shocking when someone looks you in the face and they lie to you. It's it's just so shocking. It's such a betrayal. I can say this to you because it, I know where your integrity is, but, but there are designers listening who have had relationships with clients where that line gets blurred and then the client expects every meeting to be free because now we're friends. 
I've heard a lot of designers say, the clients will say, let's go for lunch. And then over lunch, it's a three-hour meeting where a ton of stuff is accomplished. And the designers in a weird position, do they bill for that time or not bill for that time? No, they don't bill for that time because someone bought them lunch. And then the next time there's a meeting, well, you didn't bill for the last meeting. So now why are you billing for this meeting? So I just want to put it out there that there are, you know, sometimes... The designer is out of integrity, and sometimes the client can be out of integrity. So it's it's mm-hmm. really but oh, it's no, good I, to I be aware of you. that. I agree with you, but I think that's where the line. Um, I think that that check in, the comforting, all that is an important aspect, and maybe comforting is maybe almost too much of a mushy word, but but maybe no, not. No, why not? I'm but, thinking but, but of the times. The Go ahead. I'm, but I'm thinking of the times I've done projects where I want to be comforted. I want someone to tell me they haven't forgotten about my job, that they know where my money is, that everybody who's supposed to get paid has been paid. Like, that is comforting. I think that's a great word. Okay. And also think about when you, if you buy a car, for example, let's say, you know, I hate to be sexist, but if a woman buys, let's say somebody who doesn't know anything about cars buys a car, they want to feel that the person who is giving them advice, who they are putting all their money and their um, the decision-making process really in some ways into the hands of somebody else, they want them to feel that there is a caring relationship, that you care that you're doing the right thing. You're not just trying to sell me the best car on the lot. So, But in terms of what you are saying is I agree without question that there are clients that you would run into clients that are out there that... Um, take advantage of a relationship and that when you go for that three-hour lunch instead of having a three-hour check-in lunch that instead you ask a million questions about the project and then you get pissed off if you get billed I can totally see that there would be those clients so what I'm I think what I'm saying is that in the relationship that I had with the other designer where things went awry every time we were at a store and we stopped for a coffee or lunch from my perspective everything was billable. It was never a friendship, never a friendship. It was always just a business relationship that had a personal piece to it. You said you might have taken signs along the way. So one sign was these, you know, other people telling you that this person wasn't honest. What was the first indication personally that, oh my gosh, something's wrong? Uh, first indication was uh, that I I was with a friend, and they and they had purchased the same fabric as I had, mm-hmm. and they had they had worked with um, a different designer, but the difference in the price of the fabric was like three hundred dollars. Wow. I, I, I really want people to... But that's not good because other people would look at it. You could think of all the different reasons why that might be... The client might be wrong. Well, it's possible it was a mistake. There's no question about it. But it just, it's really, it's a cautionary tale because there are sometimes, uh, for some designers, there there's a fear of billing the client too much. And so they undercharge all along the way. And then they see an opportunity where they can mark something up beyond what it should be marked up, for example. And they justify that behavior because they haven't built enough all along the way. Does that make sense? Yes, I totally understand. So what you're I, saying. I want totally. this to be part of the podcast because I want people to hear like there's a million ways you get found out. 
that you are not expecting a million ways. So unless you know, unless you really have nerves of steel, be transparent and do the right thing every time. Charge what you're supposed to charge every single time. Don't try to get away with anything because what are the chances that you're out with a girlfriend and she's using the same fabric? That's weird. The other one was the, uh, um, well, I, the one where the supplier, that, that's the one that really w- was the nail on the coffin was that when she did not give the money to the supplier, and I found out. So are you saying she collected a deposit on some item from you, and then you're asking, when is my chair coming? When is my chair coming? And no answer, no answer. And then how did you find out she'd never given the deposit to the supplier? Because I found out the supply, I knew the supplier's name and I found out how to contact them. And I wasn't contacting them um, actually to find out. I still felt that she was probably being on the up and up and whatever discrepancies there were, um, were explainable. Uh, so I, but I called the, the vendor because she was out of town. And at this point, um, it was only two weeks before the delivery of the furniture and it was the delivery of the furniture were for all the furniture was related to my two girls, to my two girls bedrooms and they were, it was a surprise. They were coming back from camp. So I had the arrangement with the decorator that everything would be in and set up before, you know, August 31st, whenever the kids were coming back from camp, because it was a complete surprise. She was away. It was about like August 15th. She was away. I couldn't get a hold of her. So I wasn't sure, oh, should I be home on the 30th or should I be home on the 31st? So I ended up calling one of the vendors. There were three vendors. I called one of the vendors. And uh, he went, he said, I knew that this would happen. He says, I knew that you wanted it um, as a surprise because I'd said it when I was there in front of him. And he says, but we, and we kept on telling the designer that we needed the deposit. But we never got the deposit. And I said, oh my gosh, when will the work be done? And he said, I've never received the deposit. I'm sorry. I can't, I haven't started the work. Oh my gosh. What it. What so a then shocking I, I way to, to find contact. out. Pardon me? What a shocking way to find out. It was shocking, all right. I was really upset. It was a, a, it was a very healthy amount of money. And uh, it was a surprise. And it was only three weeks. And um, when I confronted the designer, the designer said that, uh, that, the, um, that she didn't like the work of the vendor. So she had decided to go to a different vendor. Hmm. But um, she had picked the vendor. I mean, like it was just, I, it, it was a while ago and I don't remember all the bits and pieces, but there were three, there were three vendors actually all together. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, that's and, horrible. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for our entire profession that somebody is doing that. That's horrible. Wow. And you just walked away from that. So that, I just. Yeah, that, I just walked away. That, that's so painful. I think as a client, that would make me be so extra careful about who came through my door next. Um, and I didn't get that impression from you at all. Of course, I didn't know that when we started working together, but I did not have that impression from you that you were just like a hawk watching my every move. I never, I never felt that way. So, so that was the worst example or the, the, uh, the third person you work with that wasn't worse than that, was it? Uh, no. Oh gosh, that's the only bad experience I've had. You know, that is the only bad experience I had. My takeaway from when I'm a client and I'm reaching out for another design project, 
that rapport is going to be a, definitely an element to the my decision in terms of who I'm going to pick. Now, when I say rapport, I don't mean friendship. Right. I am not looking to become friends and go out for dinner and, you know, um, you know, get together beyond a very good rapport during the project and probably, you know, check in after the project as well. Okay, so that you you've introduced the topic then after the project. That's where I feel like we don't do as good a job. We we always do a check-in, you know, a couple weeks later and then a couple weeks after that. And then of course we're on to the next 13 projects and our minds somewhere else and I may think of the client fondly from time to time. I truly do, but I haven't been very good about a month later, 2 months later, 4 months later just sending an email or picking up the phone. I think I'm going to do it. I tell myself I'm going to do it, but I don't do it. So how much interaction after the project is enough and how much is too much? Is there any way you could answer that? Well, I think that there's that fine line between, as a client, a designer calling me after we've completely wrapped up um, and checking in on me I think I do want that. I think that would be a lovely thing. But there's also a fine line between that and the thought crossing my mind as a client. Hey, I guess they're kind of hungry and looking for business. Uh, That's what I'm afraid of. That's exactly what I'm afraid of. Right. Right. So uh, I guess from a client's perspective, I think that it depends on the client. I think some clients would, I, I think, love that. Uh, experience of, you know, hearing from you, you know, just, I don't know, an email, uh, you know, like a Merry Christmas email or a, you know, happy whatever email. Maybe, you know, maybe you keep track of their birthdays or I don't know, Mm -hmm. like just that email just to say, hi, um, I'm out there. And mm-hmm. not from a sales perspective. No, but not I, at all. No, most most no, designers no. are busy and they, they're not actually looking for work. But I think, you know, you want to you want to remember those clients who were just wonderful to work with because five years, 10 years down the road, they buy a cottage or they buy a condo in Florida and there's another project, which you know you want because they're so wonderful to work with. And then we always send a Christmas or a Hanukkah card, sometimes a gift, but that feels sort of ubiquitous. Like it's a corporate thing, like, oh, thanks for the basket, you know, where I almost mm-hmm. feel like that check-in out of the blue, hey, was driving past such and such store and they had a beautiful chest in the window and I thought of you. That feels m- more um, thoughtful somehow. Oh, I could not agree with you more because I, when I get a basket um, kind of at Christmas time, I really appreciate it. I love all the things in the basket. And I think, oh, what a nice touch. But I know that that basket's coming out to me, um, not from a rapport perspective, but because I've probably hit a certain amount of money in terms of, you know, what I've been billed. Like, I, I am a preferred client from that perspective. Ouch, really? Yeah. <gasps> oh, Is my gosh. Terrible? We don't know. I'm so happy you said that. We don't actually put a dollar amount on the basket, but I would be lying if I didn't say we sent better baskets to the clients that we loved, regardless well, of the size I mean, of that- the project, regardless <laughs> of what they spent. If we had a great time, we sent a good basket. 
Okay, I got to do something yeah, besides I'm, a basket. That just sounds horrible. What gifts should we give you guys at the end of the year? Am I going to get billed? Actually? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if what gift? Because every design is going. Oh, please help me! I don't know what to send at the end of the year. Like we can't send you something for your house because your house is done. So, what gifts would be welcomed at the end of a year that would seem more thoughtful? I guess. Oh, I know. I actually think that the basket, like. Um, the basket that you sent me, that uh, your firm sent me, um, actually was absolutely lovely. <laughs> but I don't think it's the same. It's not the same. No, it's no. Not, it's a corporate gift. Yes, yes. It's not a Kimberly Selden gift. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's I get more that. Of a cor- so I think that now I'm thinking of it, and you just said something that, that kind of tweaked for me, and that is, if I got a phone call from you, let's say uh, six months after the project finished, and we had been looking for green chairs, and we had maybe never found the green chair, but I'd been very happy with uh, you know something else, or there was a sort of a dot 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 mm-hmm. on some of the things that we talked about. Project was finished, but there's always that dot dot dot. Yes. You know, talking about Piece a certain of art. That yeah, we, you know, that that you knew I liked. So then I think that there is that opportunity for that check-in. If I got a call from you and you said, oh my gosh, I saw that painting, sort of like that one that we loved when we were uh, shopping for art, uh, and um, I just thought of you. Like, to me, that is a call from Kimberly. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, I have, I'm going to do better. I, I'm going to do better. It's easy to do better. Uh, with great clients like you. Seriously, I'm not just... Uh, <laughs> as soon as we finish the podcast, I'm going to phone you out of the blue and say, oh my God, I was thinking about I you. I know, I can't wait for my basket. <laughs> no I basket, no basket. I think we fine. should go to Las Vegas and sit by the pool. <laughs> Baskets are done. We're stepping it up this year. This was really so kind and so generous of you um, to do this. I, I know everybody's relating to what you're saying, and I think we all could benefit from speaking more directly to our clients. So you've sort of inspired me to pick up the phone and have conversations with my clients about what we might be able to do better. So I, I appreciate you doing that for us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was <laughs> like <so> therapy. <laughs> Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.